happy Thursday, y'all. It's the Wandermore Podcast. Podcast for travel enthusiasts, restless nomads, and excursionists alike. My name is Paul. And I'm Colleen. And on today's agenda, we're kicking off our series about Carmel by the Sea. Okay, so I have to say right away, Carmel by the Sea is literally one of my favorite places in the entire world. I'm so happy that you found it years ago, and so I'm pretty excited to uh, talk about it. It's located on the Pacific Coast. It's about 330 miles north of LA and 125 miles south of San Francisco. The town itself is fairly small in terms of population. 2010 census, the population was 3,722. Do you want to guess what the median age was? Um, I'm, gonna th- I'm thinking 50s, 60s. Uh, 59.2 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, so small and old. <laughs> Before we get into the notable people, because there are a lot of them, our podcast, I feel like, is a mix of a Wikipedia trail meets a Yelp search. And in researching this podcast, we were up in the Wikipedia trail. I don't know if you noticed that section to see how many Wikipedia entries there were for notable people. Do you want to guess how many? Oh, God. Uh, dozens? There were 78 notable people. Wow. Well, I can pick a couple. Yeah, okay. Clint Eastwood, who mm-hmm. I didn't really have a super opinion of. 2012 went down, and he was talking to an empty chair. I kind of had this negative opinion about him. He seems like an interesting guy. He owns um, several different properties within Carmel, mm-hmm. and um, some of which are, are we'll talk about later. Um, others he's bought and sold, but but essentially he's made Carmel his sort of hometown for quite a while. So another resident that uh, I thought was interesting was uh, Umpton Sinclair. Mm-hmm. He wrote The Jungle. Okay. In general, he's been sort of an, an activist, and through his books throughout the years and essays, he's played an important role in shaping our country politically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting that he would have chosen a haven like Carmel. Pretty interesting, given the size of this town. Yeah. How about you? It's no coincidence that Ansel Adams was one of the notable people there. Very famous photographer, known specifically for these kind of sprawling uh, landscape vista photographs, often in black and white. So that kind of definitely speaks to the geographic beauty of the area. Also Doris Day, because she's Mm. fucking badass. Totally. And she owns a hotel there, which we'll get into, which kind of put uh, Carmel by the Sea on the map for being so dog friendly, which feels synonymous with California in general. Totally back into the history of Carmel. First inhabited, obviously, by the Native Americans, and then it was colonized by the Spanish in the later half of the 18th century. When Mexico declared independence from Spain in 1820, Carmel became a territory of Mexico. It was in 1848 that Carmel seceded and became part of California. Wow. It was founded in 1906 and then incorporated as a city in 1916. Wow. The one thing that I thought was pretty interesting, you mentioned 1906. Mm. So in 1906, the San Francisco newspaper devoted a full page to the artists and writers and poets of Carmel by the Sea. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you bring up San Francisco because unfortunately, part of Carmel by the Sea's tourism grew 
is because the earthquake in 1906 that hit San Francisco and it devastated the area and, it, and they were kind of pushed to Camarillo by the sea. The earliest residents were poets and authors like Jack London and they actually lived in tents in Carmel's underdeveloped woods before building their house. And the new residents after this earthquake were offered $10 down with little or no interest and whatever they could pay on a monthly basis. Wow, it's funny because part of what I read about Carmel and its um, initial plan is um, there was careful preparation to how the town itself would coexist with the water around it. Mm -hmm. And the town itself is fairly fairly grid-like on a map. If you look at it in Google, let's say, it's, it's amazing how much detail they did put into the way that the houses and the streets align with the coastline, especially mm -hmm. because there are several different beaches. And then in between the beaches, it's at rocky coastline. Yeah. And they've been able to kind of weave houses and residential streets in general along that without causing much damage to the surrounding area. Yeah, two of the early developers for the Carmel Development Company, J. Frank Devendorf and Frank H. Powers. Hold on, Devendorf? <laughs> okay. They actually ordered 100 cypress trees to be planted throughout Carmel's coast. And that's why really? cypress trees are so famous there. Isn't that crazy? Okay, that's weird. Okay. I A little takes away from it, but that's... <laughs> Oh, they had a perfect vision and they did. They did if vision. you ever get to go to Carmel it's one of the things that you'll notice is along these rocky cliffs overlooking the water are just these sprawling cypress trees that look out of a kind of Dolly meets Van Gogh type painting that's awesome yeah their newspaper is called the Carmel Pinecone <laughs> and I feel like between the cypress trees and the and the pine trees, I feel like it's it it truly feels like you're in um, a little uh, escape. I mean, it's amazing that that's two hours from San Francisco. Yeah. So then it finally did incorporate in 1916, and the population. You want to guess how many people were there at that time? A couple hundred. 450. Okay. Which already at that time included authors like Mary Austin, uh, Lincoln Steffens, and Hugh Comstock was the designer of the very fairy tale like aesthetic that Carmel is known for. And he had no background in architecture. He designed and built a 400 square foot cottage and then a collection of cottages, which became known as the Hugh Comstock Historic Hill District. And so I think there were 39 to start out with, and there still are 21 to this day. Wow in which one of them is the tuck box and we'll link to on the show page it's currently a tea room wow okay so that kind of fits in perfectly with one of my fun facts hmm. are there non-fun facts regarding not with carmel? me no <laughs> <laughs> um, you may have heard this if you do an initial search about carmel but mm -hmm. i think it's pretty interesting there are no mailboxes in the houses you go to the post office pick up your mail mm -hmm. part of that is because you actually don't have street addresses and the addresses themselves are basically directional away from other streets. So it'll be two southeast from seven. And that's two houses down southeast from seventh street. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's house is named that. But what's interesting and ties to what you were just saying is that most people name their houses. Not only were they, I think, prescribed in terms of the, the way that they look, but they also had hilarious names. I mean, there's Bailiwick. Aspen, Argonaut, 
there are over 1,300 unique names for these houses. And so once you've purchased a house, let's say, from someone else, it's considered extremely bad luck to change the name. So the name has stayed the same. <laughs> um, usually it's drawn up as part of the contract that the name has to stay the same. Okay, that's interesting because I've wondered how it shifted over time shortly before the city became incorporated back in 1910, 60% of Carmel's houses were built by its citizens. I think that's pretty cool. Okay, uh, best time to go. So Carmel's weather year round is basically the same. In the summer, you'd expect 60s. In September, October, you may get low 70s. You might have sort of a late summer. Yeah, then there's sort of a rainy season from November to February, 20 to 25 inches of rain per year. It's more temperate than San Francisco, and it's going to be a little less foggy throughout the entire year. There isn't really a terrible time to go to Carmel, but I think that if you were looking for a, a classically beautiful weather day, you'd probably want to go around September. Yeah, September and October, those are definitely the best weather of all year. The average high is 72 degrees, and the wet season, as you said, is October to May, uh, which the annual rainfall is 20 inches per year with an average temperature of 57. So when the worst time of the year, it's still an average temperature of 57 and only 20 inches total rainfall a year, it's fine. It's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Truly, there's really not a, a bad time to go to Carmel. So we typically go for our holiday which is november time so we've never gone in the middle of the summer or anything like that yeah i i mean i would say that it doesn't change the advice i think too dramatically i think <laughs> because i i do think um it layers are super important so mm -hmm. we uh, have talked before about um uniqlo and so one thing that i always like to pack is their heat tech under it's sort of like an under armor type of um, material um, except for it's more, I would say, more cottony or soft. Pretty important, and also some sort of vest. Agreed on all of those. I basically packed my packable Uniqlo puffer vest, which I pack with me everywhere. Their windbreaker. I also packed a separate raincoat because it was supposed to be rainier, which is also packable and great. Um, <laughs> I first used it in London and have never looked back. Heat tech, totally. You don't need winter jacket. You have extra space in your bag bringing some wellies would be lovely but I just brought sneakers and then the shoes that I would wear normally which are just my insola booties and then our essentials which we almost always pack that we brought again this trip the bagu vapor water bottle and external battery now so you have to be careful though because it is technically illegal to wear high heels <laughs> in Carmel due to one of those crazy laws that obviously isn't enforced. Okay, well, I kind of appreciate this. The law is that municipal code prohibits wearing shoes having heels taller than two inches unless the wearer has attained a permit. Police don't cite these violations, but the whole reason the law started was in the 1920s, and it was to defend the city from lawsuits resulted from wearers of high heels tripping over irregular pavement distorted by tree roots. Permits are available without charge at City Hall. Yes. Oh, and also, additionally, chain restaurants are banned from Carmel by the Sea. Wow. That's another unusual <laughs> fact that got slipped in there. As someone who lives in Georgetown, I was just going to say, DC, <laughs> yeah. which I think out of all the places we've ever lived, visited because of the very small sidewalks and 
the large amount of trees that are planted along them, it is notoriously uneven on the sidewalk to the fact that we've overheard a lot of tour groups just walking around saying be careful watch where you walk you're gonna trip over your own feet and they're all wearing like their nike sneakers yeah and one time i was running on the side of a street and a little kid came out and put a cone next to what was a crazy divot in the street because of the the tree like a little kid a little kid yeah (laughs) so like i don't know if that's been a concern or if you just was excited to help out but it was really really funny so yeah so for a little kid to come out and warn me an adult about my running around a tree is pretty hilarious so I guess yeah we're used to walking on uneven ground do you want to guess how many hotels and inns there are within walking distance of the village uh four 40 what I know okay but okay, right seriously okay Absolutely. Whoa. Okay, this is a crazy fact that I discovered because there's no chain hotels either. There are a lot of bed and breakfasts kind of places. Totally. And then where where we've stayed in the past is the Carmel Mission Inn, mm-hmm. which is, um, it's, I think it's a motel. It's sort of yeah, like- but it's like it's, a Palm Springs motel. Exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, right on. Yeah. You get like sort of your standard amenities. You get your gym and there's a pool, there's a hot tub. But it's pretty nicely located in the sense that it's right across the one. I mean, literally, it's a five-minute drive into town or like a 10-minute bike ride if you do bring a bike or have access to a bike. So that's a place that we've definitely stayed. Um, The first time we ever went was several years ago. For Christmas, had got us a few nights to stay at this very beautiful place in Big Sur called Glen Oaks. And I was looking around the area. I didn't know the area that well and thought we should extend the trip. And I came across Carmel by the Sea, which is how we went there in the first place, which is just an hour north of there. And essentially, at the time, it was in the season. So a lot of the hotels had sold out. And I found this one and it was fine. I mean, it looked okay. It was nothing crazy. Um, But in getting to know the area better, we've definitely gone by kind of the range of hotel to mom and pop B&B. And I would say one of my favorite um, that I hope to stay at next time is called the Mission Ranch, which is owned by Clint Eastwood. My good friend Clint. <laughs> Same, Clint. <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually once a dairy farm that Eastwood rescued it because it was supposed to be under demolition by a huge condo developer. Even just hearing that, so like, I mean, that must have been a moment of weakness for the town planners at the time to even consider a condo development in that particular location. It's probably like a half mile from the actual downtown. In 1986, the same year he ran for mayor, mm, hmm. wonder how he won that, Yeah. Um, he purchased this 22-acre ranch that has wetlands that actually stretch to the bay. And so he did a full restoration. He has over 31 uniquely distinct accommodations that occupy a former barn, farmhouse. He converted a bunkhouse and he has eight other rustic ranch structures, which I love the vague yet very knowing description of that. We all judge a place by the amount of structures it has. <laughs> if they are rustic and ranch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the cypress trees that we talked about. And they also add in all these eucalyptus trees, which if you've ever been around those, they're aromatic like a motherfucker and they're great. And it overlooks Sheep's Meadow. It has views of the St. Lucia Mountains in addition to the Pacific Ocean. 
So they have a sprawling restaurant. It has a patio that overlooks both the meadows with the sheep and the ocean and the mountains. And we were lucky enough one year to get (laughs) the most ridiculous spot to have a glass of wine and watch the sunset. It was unbelievable. And definitely go to their website. Just look at pictures. And I think one of the first carousel pictures that you'll see is of their back patio. And they hired these two models, clearly, to do the photo shoot. And they're sitting at this corner two-top that Paul and I somehow both snagged. It was almost like people were afraid to sit there. It was so weird. (laughs) And I was not. I was like, thank you very much. (laughs) It reminded me of this resort that's outside of Chatham in Cape Cod called Wequasset. The city is around you, and there's so many things to do. But also, if you wanted to kind of hang for like a day or two and walk around in the actual facilities. In terms of price point, it didn't seem that bad. There's a lot of- Define not that bad. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of variation pending what type of place you want. And I guess that's also a level of flexibility we haven't found with other places is you can have just a normal hotel room in kind of like their larger building or you can have a cottage if you have, you know, friends. (laughs) but it seemed like nights range from like 175 up yeah i think the difference between a place like that and and like the carmel um mission in yeah is that um you could probably expect to stay at the carmel mission in between 150 and 250 dollars 95 percent of the time whereas you might just have more variance with high demand in the summer at a place like mission ranch yeah, and availability. And yeah. yeah. And and just to step back really quickly yeah. in terms of like getting to Carmel, mm. I'd kind of alluded um, to the fact that most likely you're flying into a Bay Area airport and driving down. Because of the rainy season, there are mudslides that happen along the Highway 1. And so what happens is uh, assuming no one's getting injured by these mudslides, good hotel deals if it, okay, depending we went on a little dark there. Yeah. the season, <laughs> totally. depending on what's happening. Just like after Brexit is a really good time to go to London. That's yeah. the quote that I'm taking away from this episode. <laughs> There's a lot of variance in a lot of these places in, in terms of cost. Uh, an alert out, you could probably snag a really great place in, in downtown Carmel for not a lot of money, despite the fact that it's so close to San Francisco and L.A. To go from SFO to Carmel. Hour and a half? is two hours oh. and then also and just so in that in that area okay so you have northern california you have oakland airport you have sfo san francisco airport and then you also have san jose which is an option so if you are looking to buy tickets and especially if you're on the east coast and those can be kind of finicky like I would suggest all three of those airports. It shaves a half an hour off if you go from San Jose. San Jose is an option. And even LAX. Yeah, if you're making it a thing, you could fly into LA. You could certainly hit up Santa Barbara, um, San Luis Obispo, fly up to Solvang, hit all those places, Paso Robles, 805 Beer, and then um, and then swing on to the coast and hit up all of Big Sur. Yes, several airport options. And then according to that, you can definitely tweak your itinerary. Okay, other places to stay. So definitely Mission Ranch Inn. If you're going fancy, 
there are a few very nice hotels that you could consider within Carmel area. We're not going into Monterey or Big Sur. We will talk about those on day trip options, but they're not are going separate. to separate. Okay. Yeah, they're separate. I'm curious just, now. It's too much. It's too much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you are curious because you're probably never heard of it. There is the Carmel Valley Ranch, and there is the Bernardus Lodge and Spa. Both of these are in Carmel Valley. Mm-hmm. And so, right, so you're saying, why would I stay inland from Carmel if all the views are water? That's what I'm saying. They're resorts. So they are places like when you go in Utah and you're in the middle of nowhere and you're like, why are people coming here? And you're like, oh, I get it, all the amenities. Very nice restaurants, spas, they have sprawly pools, and it's in the valley, so you get a lot of wine area this Yeah, I was going to say, the tasting rooms and, and the vineyards along a stretch of road in the middle of what looks like nowhere Yeah, is incredible to me growing up on the East Coast. Do you think there's any benefit to staying in downtown, Carmel? Oh my God, 100%. This is the only place that we don't stay in downtown, mm-hmm. and a big part of it is because I don't I don't want to feel like I'm staying at like a dorm or at like my parents' place. I don't know. B&Bs, for the most part, feel too close for my comfort. I want a little bit of space. Um, I also don't want to see the same like man or woman who owns this house cooking my breakfast in the morning. That, that makes me feel like a child, not like I'm on vacation. Hot take. Just putting it out there. That's how I feel. <laughs> There is one other one, honorable mentions, called La Playa, which feels very uh, PB, Pacific Beach, Southern California, but it's actually one of the largest providers of jobs in Carmel mm. by the Sea. It's actually right by the beach. I was curious yeah. because Airbnb is kind of not a thing, yeah. but there are quite a few B and original B&Bs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and we have, we tried VRBO? We haven't, and that was our okay. reflection after the last one. Okay, so maybe that's, maybe consider that. yeah. So once you're there, as you mentioned before, the downtown itself, super walkable. And and relatively easy to find a, a parking spot. Oh, yeah. 100% to find a spot. Yeah. Um, now, some of the streets that you're going to be parking on are hilarious. Like, <laughs> Right. So the downtown's just over a square mile. And it has the most restaurants per capita in the United States. Does Providence, Rhode Island know that? Oh my God. They are not happy about that stuff. <laughs> so Carmel builds four walls for every building. <laughs> Providence, on the other hand. <laughs> Just two. Yeah. Ocean Ave, yeah, it goes through downtown, down a hill, to the beach Beautiful. on the ocean. Which is one of the most gorgeous beaches I've ever seen. Yeah. But so it's super walkable. It's beautiful. It's where most of the orange in Carmel-by-the-Sea is. When we talked about all these little cottages that were built previously, it's where they're located. And so along there, there's this place called Carmel Plaza, which is essentially, it's, it's sort of like an outdoor mall. There's a coffee shop. There's a cheese shop called the Carmel Cheese Shop. <laughs> um, and there's a place called the Carmel Coffee and Cocoa Bar slash bagelry slash ramen place. We, it's the place with all the oh, lines that the we. So packed. this place okay. is yeah. packed okay. all the time and okay. serves ramen and coffee and bagels. Okay. It's the weirdest thing yeah. I've ever seen, and every time I look at it, in just awe. And there's a line out the door, no matter what day. Other thing I would say is hiking across the board. If you're into it, cool. If you're not, it's just like a walk. 
It's slightly uphill. This is definitely an area that is great for hiking. We do one every year, and we are not hikers. We're not campers. There is a whole forum that is dedicated to places to hike around Carmel, places to hike around Big Sur, Carmel Valley, Monterey. I just recommend like doing some kind of outdoor exploring. Also, the Carmel Mission in Carmel it's one of the earliest missions. It was founded in 1771. It's still an active parish, which is kind of cool. It has a basilica that's actually a national historic landmark. It's been maintained enough that you get a sense of the actual building. And you can go in, I think it's $5 donation, and you can tour the whole thing. You can go to a service there. Whether you're religious or not, it's just a beautiful building. The first time I ever saw it was on a run. It's beautiful. And then the other thing I will say is wine tastings are another thing I'd recommend to do in Carmel in general, which we'll get into. Basically walking the downtown, tastings, hitting up the beach, and going on hikes. And not five minutes away is, is Pebble Beach, is the golf course, and also 17 Mile Drive, which is a beautiful, if you do not like golf at all, it's still worthwhile to drive through this one road that just takes you all along the coast, um, there are quite a few attractions there. Interesting because from Carmel Beach, you can kind of look to your right and you see one of the holes on the golf course protruding from the coastline. It's so beautiful. And if there's one sport that knows how to kind of capture the surroundings, it's probably golf. Absolutely. And I feel like I would add that to our day trip section, which I have a few more of those to do later. What do you think is quintessentially local about that area? Local to Carmel. Feels like it needs to be an old building that looks like a cottage in a hamlet in the Shire. There's a place called the Hog's Breath Inn, which oh. was previously owned by Clint Eastwood, mm -hmm. that has great happy hour deals. It's just this beautiful building. It's so cozy. Classic Carmel. Mm. There are two places. One is very famous. Google search anything about Carmel. It'll be one of the first ones that comes up. Um, it's called La Bicicolette, and they have classic Neapolitan-style pizza. The one I would say to go to is the Starlight Rooftop Lounge. They have a mushroom truffle pizza, which is to die for, and they do a happy hour every day, four to six, and you can have pizza by fire pits with cocktails. Went there twice, despite being there for, what, four days? Mm -hmm. I think it's one of my favorite places, at least. Starlight, if I can just add yeah, one yeah, thing to that. On so yeah. We literally did a in, impromptu pizza crawl. Like we, The first time, we, we went to Starlight, went up on the roof. We had a, an appetizer pizza. and then <laughs> our, But our plan was to have La Bicyclette yeah. for, for dinner. Because we, we missed it the previous year. Yeah, yeah. So we, we kind of thought strategically about it. We get, we get the La Bicyclette pizza. We end up not even waiting. We wanted to try it so badly, and we, we tried it in our car yeah. before we, we rolled out of downtown Carmel. And, yeah, it, it was a definitely second favorite pizza of the night. And yeah. it's an, I think on its own, I think it's a, it's a, I, I think it's a pretty good pizza. I like it. But com compared with a pizza that was less expensive and not a quarter of a mile up the street, it's hard to really recommend that. And that has such a great atmosphere. Because that's the other thing is La Bicicolette was just a poor experience in general. Starlight Lounge, awesome for pizza. Other place that I really loved was the Indian place. Abba. Yes. 
So this Indian food place is located is in the in barnyard. The barnyard. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the barnyard is across the highway. It's this. Um, it. Okay, and highway, not like an East Coast highway. This is not ninety five. It's more like it's a, two lanes. Yeah, it's it's more like a it's a country road when you're going on up to Williams College. Exactly. You know? Relatable to everyone. Meaning you could cross it without feeling weird, which a lot of California highways, I would not say the same. True. That's your visual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look it up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there's a place called the Barnyard, which is like a bunch of restaurants there. They have a bakery, Lafayette Bakery, the Sir at Barnyard, which has a great happy hour. Mm-hmm. Abba. Yes. We found it because it was one of the only places that was open the first time we went to Carmel. Impeccable it, reviews. It definitely got great reviews, but it was more that um, we were able to call, we got a person, and so we were excited that we could actually walk and go get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this was Christmas one year. or It was Christmas Eve, then Christmas. We okay. did it three nights in a row yeah. for a contest. This, this Indian food place is extremely good. We got Indian food catered at our wedding. Very into the cuisine. Yeah, we're yeah. enthusiasts. But... Um, it's a little expensive, I would say. I mean, I think it's about 20% more. Yeah. But worth every penny, I think. it was. It's so good, and it's so exciting to walk around the barnyard while we're waiting for our food, if we're doing takeaway. Yeah. So um, I'm so excited to talk about it because I think it's um, it's one of my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, other restaurants that you loved? Uh, in Carmel, or can I expand the you area? You can expand. Okay. Then, um, well, Barmel not a restaurant but oh, it's yeah. well it's a restaurant but um yeah, yeah. so they have great happy hour too yeah. five dollar beer and wine and a couple um different bites from three to five every day barmel uh, i would recommend that there are like 75 different secret passageways in carmel wow itself okay that, okay I, I mean that number's and high but barmel I... is totally one of them we had heard about this place for a while and we were like how have we never organically passed by this we thought we went down all of the orange and Lo and behold. That's like stationary where we went last time for coffee, mm. which is also a restaurant. Um, they do breakfast and I think lunch, right? Yeah. But um, they were sort of located down this little path. Mm-hmm. And then there was a little courtyard. So I, I don't know. That's that's two on our way to 75. Okay, that's awesome because actually that was going to be my coffee set. There is Carmel Coffee Roasters, which is okay. They've got the Fog Lifter Brew. It's <laughs> yes. known for throughout the region. They definitely have good, like yeah. They definitely available. have like that like ha- nutty hazelnut. Okay. You know those flavored ones, which are great for your dad, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you're looking for something a bit more elevated, stationary, new to us, um, we went there for the first time. They're open till 2 p.m. every day, and then they do a dinner service. So they do. They're not just a coffee place. Like I freakishly got coffee takeaway, and I was the the outlier there but they are definitely a sit-down breakfast place and then they do a dinner service from five to nine and actually their coffee comes out of burlington vermont i had a whole chat with the owner about it he was oh yeah lovely. yeah Teresa, and they were out. they were well priced and then also there was the bagel place that you went to that i feel like bagel you rate. would recommend for breakfast yeah so yeah. they have a thank you for reminding me yeah they have a <laughs> they were great We've been eyeing them for a couple years now. I have at least, oh. um, and because it's right, it's right behind the, the hotel that we were staying in. They have a lox bagel with all the trimmings for seven fifty, and it's fairly New York style bagel. I mean, it's not a small bagel. 
we went there almost every day the last trip that we yeah, were there. Yeah, once we went there the first time, it was like a regular breakfast situation the next few days, including on Christmas Day. We got the same person who was helping yeah, us each time, and lovely. she was so lovely. Yeah. yeah. We'll be back there for breakfast pretty much every day. Yeah, go there. It's fantastic. And then the other place I would say not necessarily for coffee or breakfast, things that go well with both is a patisserie. Wasonery, um, which is right in Carmel by the Sea downtown, and I got their coconut cream pie, and they're really great. They're just right off of the plaza, and they have formal seating if you want like a classic French bistro situation. So they have like a little pastry window, the unsung hero of the place. You can just walk in and get some very excellent pastries, take away without having to have a full sit down situation which if you can tell, that's kind of the theme of our trip. Yes, our trips. <laughs> Shout out to one other place. So there's this uh, market called Nielsen Brothers Market. Oh God, yes. And so it's it's mm. it's a general store sort of thing. Yes. Um, what's amazing about it is it has California style, a huge assortment of beer, wine, and spirits. Mm -hmm. A very large section of um, like mini um, shooters. Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. So, um, but more just meaning that if you wanted to make an impromptu cocktail or something totally. yourself, that you could do that without investing in the whole thing on your on vacation. Totally. They have absinthe and they have... Aperitifs. They have yeah. quite a few. Yeah. And then uh, they also have like a pastry section where you can get some donuts, which we've done the donuts. We've done the cookies. And the donuts are actually Red's Donuts. Yeah. Which we've missed every time because they're located in Monterey and they sell out very quickly and get their peanut butter chocolate chip cookies yeah <laughs> needs to be said out loud so good so there are so many wineries I was trying to get an exact amount I couldn't get an exact amount for wineries in the general Carmel Valley region but there are over 16 tasting rooms so you can easily hit up a few or as many as you'd like just walking around the downtown ones I will shout out are Blair Estates Wines, Raft. There's, they're all approachable too, Yeah, I would totally. say. I never got the sense walking by one of these uh, tasting rooms that I needed to pop my collar and know the fine notes of apricot that this wine would present to me. <laughs> it felt very uh, laissez-faire, which I'm, I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing, but that to me is a very good thing. Totally. Wine should be fun. It should be approachable and it should be friendly. If you're being mean about it, it's because you have other shit to hide. It's definitely more Sonoma than Napa. And I love Napa. But some people have... People have associations of intimidation with wine because they've had poor experiences. And I will say that we had none of those poor experiences in Carmel Valley or Carmel by the Sea tasting rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, day trips. There are actually quite a few different options. Santa Cruz is a slice of Southern California, somehow stuck in Northern California. There's a taco place, which I don't have the name right off the top of my head, but it'll be in the show notes. It's absolutely amazing shrimp tacos. There's a whole salsa bar and chip bar, which yeah, is great. Yeah, for, for free. I mean, obviously salsa for free, but they also put out warm chips for free, which is a, a second level. Yeah, it, always it is a second and level. And it's packed, but not too packed. Yeah. Like it's packed enough that you're not worried next year they're going to be gone, even though they were great. But it's not too packed that you 
are mad for telling your friend about. Yeah, it, it moves quickly. <laughs> yeah, it moves as it quickly as you'd think a taco Trader stand Joe's should. Checkout line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and mine were just more high level. So we talked about Carmel Valley. A hundred percent go there. It is a sprawling wine country area that is accessible within a fifteen minutes drive. And aside from all the wineries, they have a whole downtown. They have those two schmancy hotels, if that's your thing. So it's not just wineries. Monterey, which if you've watched Big Little Lies, you know about. It's only 15 minutes up the street from Carmel-by-the-Sea. Also Big Sur, which is probably about 45 minutes south for hiking Point Lobos, which is a very famous hiking spot. And it's actually legend that Robert Louis Stevenson's inspiration for his 1883 novel, Treasure Island, was made after he was strolling on a publicly available trail in Point Lobos. Uh, That's cool. We'll add some pictures because that place is utterly gorgeous. Gilroy, it, we, we're mentioning Gilroy because um, there's, it's perhaps, I think it's the garlic touted capital. as the garlic capital yeah, yeah, yeah. of the US and there's a garlic festival just a really cool town and there's a, a Gilroy garlic store where you can buy all things garlic, things that you would expect and things that you would not expect to be made of garlic. Cute California downtown in, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of a valley. So, so events to be aware of in Carmel. Um, as we said, it's always a good time to go to Carmel, but just some things that are uh, known for the area is they have a arts festival, um, which oh. takes place in May. Cool. They have over a hundred paintings displayed for public viewing, and they're entered into a silent auction. Wow. Um, there's also a Carmel Bach Festival, which is the second two the weeks festival? in July. Yeah, so it is yeah, it's over 30 concerts, ticketed concerts as well as free music performances and lectures. That's cool. Okay, quick roundup. Anything that you would say is overrated or absolutely worth it for next time? hate to say it, but I think Lippy Ciclet is ah. overrated. Um, I, I think that that's something that you can just... You, I don't think you need to do it, yeah. even though the internet is probably telling you to do it. Something that is absolutely worth it. What's mm. the second part of that? Is that uh, I yeah. would say uh, Beach Picnic. Go to Nielsen Market, the cheese shop, one of the many French patisseries, and round out your picnic. You'll definitely find a spot on the beach, and um, we've done it every year, and I hope to continue doing it every year. And we did it this year despite the fact that it was downpouring. We basically made a picnic in our car, pulled up to the beach, and we got a great spot, and we watched the not-sunset sunset because it was raining. The shocking part of that was that nearly all of the parking spots were parking lot was packed and people were walking out like it wasn't downpouring taking pictures it is a gorgeous beach fucking head on down the hill yeah (laughs) the starlight lounge i loved the indian place i loved and i was so nervous that i was not going to and while not in carmel i will shout out the sushi place oh okay sushi time yeah sushi time we did the first round then I hate it the second round. And then they kind of tweak their menu in a little bit. So I was really happy to circle back on that. And just a consideration, this that's yeah. probably around, I would say, 20 minutes with a little bit of traffic in Seaside, which is the town that is directly north along the coast from Monterey. 
overrated. Will be a Sicolette. I stand by that. And ooh, I tempt Lafayette Bakery. I'm gonna kind of put as I think it's a bit overrated. I would say instead of going to Lafayette, I would go to Patisserie Boussonnerie. Agree completely. Ideal duration. What do you say? I feel three full days, four nights. For just Carmel, right? For just Carmel. Okay. Okay. Um, if I think it's worth another day for an excursion day, I would say mm. that the only other thing is for you to take a full week mm. and incorporate Monterey, Santa Cruz, Carmel Valley, all of Big Sur, maybe even spend a night in Big Sur mm. at one of those beautiful resorts yeah, along the water. Glen Oaks. Yeah, Glen Oaks. How about you? Okay, I agree um, because pending where you're coming from, if this all seems overwhelming because we're talking about so many areas that you can visit, dip your toes in, go for a long weekend. Carmel by the Sea is utterly gorgeous. You will not regret it. However, if you have more time and you want to explore, you could easily do Carmel by the Sea, Big Sur, Carmel Valley, Monterey, Santa Cruz, and Pacific Grove, um, which a lot of Big Little Lies was filmed in more so than Monterey. So I feel like you could extend it as much as you want and you can include it as a road trip going up to San Francisco or going down to LA. Depending which direction you're going, you can stop in San Luis and Santa Barbara or on the way up to San Francisco, you can stop in Gilroy and Santa Cruz. So yeah, anywhere from an approachable long weekend to, I mean, a week plus easily. Yeah. All right, final thoughts? Final thoughts, I, I just have to say, you know, we, we, I think we introduced this term on the first podcast, but this concept of a charm score, <laughs> I have to say, I can't think of a more charming place in the continental U United States. Yeah, um, I, It reminds me of a little European, again, Hamlet. Um, mm. So I don't know if it's a nine or a 10, but yeah. it's a nine or a 10. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? It's adorable, it's friendly, it's welcoming, and it's breathtaking. So I would say it's definitely high up there for me. Maybe nine. Can't do 10. <laughs> Always Can't leaving 10. room for Always better. Always leave room for improvement. <laughs> okay, Paul, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. You can find links to some of the things we talked about on our show page at wandermore.io slash podcast. You can email us at podcast at wandermore.io. You can download our entire catalog of Wandermore when you subscribe. Just search for the Wandermore podcast in your app of choice. I'm Colleen. Until we hang next time. Have a nice trip. <laughs>